Welcome to the Victor Orlando Podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. You might have missed last week, but you haven't missed out. I encourage you just to get on our podcast this week and get a refresher or listen to it for the first time. You can watch the videos of the services on our website. So I encourage you, get on there this week. Listen to week number one. Last week, we talked about the vow of priority in this series, The Vow, where each week we're making a vow to improve our marriages, to have the kind of godly marriage that God intends us to have. So we're going to make a vow each week that we're going to put into practice in our marriage and in our relationships so that we can see some changes and so God can begin to work in us so that we can have uh, not only a great marriage now, but we can begin to teach our children and show them so that it will affect not only them, but their children and for generations to come. So we're gonna, what we're going to invest in now is not just for the here now. We're going to affect generations to come. So we're going to invest directly into the lives of marriages. So for those of you that are here, you're married already. Man, I'm excited to share this word with you this morning. We're going to invest directly into the life of marriage because the reality is, is that, man, so many marriages out there are struggling or messed up or on the brink or just not close, not tight, not sinking the way that God wants us to sink. And I believe that God wants us to have marriages that are a light and an example to the world. The world is messed up and has a messed up picture of what marriage should be. And we're going to talk about how God pictures marriage to be. And then we're going to put those into practice in our lives. And if you're here and you're not married today, you're thinking, man, I can check out. This isn't for me. This is for the married people. That's not right. That's wrong. So uh, if you're single in this place today, I'm going to also speak directly into you because I want to invest into your life because one day you are going to be married. And I want you to have the tools, the principles, the things that you need at the very start so that your marriage goes the right direction from the start so that you don't end up going your own way. And then years you get down the road and say, man, I wish I would have known that back then. So we're going to invest directly into the lives of those who will one day be married and those who are already married. Amen. Well, let me pray for you before we get into the word today. Lord, I thank you for your presence. God, we just welcome you in this place. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would have your way in this place this morning that It wouldn't be my words that are spoken, Lord, but it would be your words, God. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to hearts and you would speak to minds in this place, that the lies of the enemy would be silenced and cut off in Jesus' name, that we are people of your spirit, Lord, that we will be led by your spirit. We won't be led by our feelings. We won't be led by our own desires, Lord, but we will be led by your spirit. So I thank you just for your freedom in this place this morning. And Lord, that our hearts will be good ground, that your word would go deep down inside of us and produce fruit. And everybody said... Amen. Well, I am excited about this series, The Vow, about marriage and relationships. And we did last week talk about the vow of priority, how God is always our one and our spouse is always our two. That's right. God is our one and our spouse is our two. So the vow of priority. Well, this week we're going to talk about the vow of pursuit. So it's going to be fun. Um, It's going to be exciting. So uh, I want to get right into it. And how many of you have ever made a fool of yourself for love. Come on, there's more of you out there that have done some crazy things in the name of love. I I know it. I can tell by looking at you. Some of you right now got those Google eyes looking at, you know, you've done some crazy things for love. I know I've done some crazy things for love when I was dating my wife, Heather. Come on, my wife, Heather. I love her. She's serving in Victory Kids this morning, taking care of your kids. So... (laughs) 
Some of you right now, God is moving on your heart to start serving in Victory Kids, and that, there's a place for you to help serve the next generation. It's not just something I say. I believe with all my heart the next generation is rising, and they're a group of leaders that are going to lead a revolution. So if you want to be involved in investing in the next generation, that's one of the greatest things you can do. But anyway, I made a fool of myself on many occasions to impress this woman because I wanted to have her in my life. Praise the Lord. And it worked out pretty good for me. But I'm thankful for her. She's the best woman that I know. Um, As we start today and as we go through this series, there's a scripture that is really the foundational scripture for this message series. And I want to read it today because it kind of gives us a context, a a base for what we're going to talk about. It's from Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. It says, by wisdom, a house is built and through understanding it is established. That just means that it's by the wisdom of God that our house, our home, our marriages are built that it's by through understanding of his wisdom that they're actually established, that they're rooted, that they're built on something that will last. It's not by what I can figure out on my own. It's not on what I learned from keeping up with the Kardashians. It's not by mental ascent. It's by the wisdom of God that my marriage will be established. My home will be established. It's through knowledge. Its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. How many of you want your home to be filled with rare and beautiful treasures? Come on. That is what God is promising us. It's through the knowledge of the Spirit of God that our marriage will be a rare and beautiful treasure. It doesn't take long to look around and see there's not a lot of marriages that are rare, that are beautiful. Right? That is rare. So we're going to do some things differently than everybody else so that our marriage, our home, our family, our kids will be rare and beautiful treasures. Amen? Amen. So this is our foundational series. Because we're going to build our great marriage. We don't just find it. We're going to build our marriage. Today, we're talking about the vow of pursuit. The vow of pursuit. And by nature, as people, we tend to pursue the things we don't have, right? Yeah, I don't have, you know, this, uh, personally, I'm working, saving up for a drone. I don't have it, so I'm pursuing. I'm doing a little extra job saving up for this drone. I, want, I, I don't have it, so I'm pursuing ways to get that, right? We pursue things we don't have. That's just kind of who we are, right? We pursue things that we don't have. You know, when you were dating, I don't know how many of you had pursued your spouse Maybe some of you are dating right now and there's some mutual pursuit going on. But for me, when Heather and I were dating, you know, there was pursuit happening from both of us. And, you know, there's things that you do that are deemed are a little crazy. Like when it's time for bed at night, I like to lay down and go to sleep. And when I lay my head on that pillow, man, I just I'm out like that. That's just that's just how it is. And I'm thankful for it. But when we were dating, you know, Heather and I would be on the phone talking at night, you know, and some of you are like, you talk on a phone, you you don't just talk with your thumbs. This was back when you had to actually like talk into the phone. And so I'm laying there in bed talking to her, like trying to stay awake. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, I don't want to hang up. You hang up first. Come on, y'all are laughing because you did it too. Maybe you, when you were dating, you spent all your money on some concert or, you know, some big day going to Disney. You spent way more than you should have to impress, you know, your, your special googly-eyed someones, you know, because you wanted them to know that you were rolling in it. When, in fact, you're like, I can't pay for anything else this month, but it didn't matter, right? Maybe you were drive back all the way, you know, driving home all night long, not sleeping, just so you can 
say goodbye to your lovey-dovey before she went to work that morning. You know, you pull up and brought her some donuts or something, you know, you drove all night. I don't know what it is, but we've all done crazy things in pursuit of that special someone or two, right? We tend to pursue the things we don't have. But what happens in marriage then when we pursue each other so, so heavily in dating and then people get married and they go through life and pursuit kind of dies away because now we have each other. I don't have to pursue as hard because... I already have you. And then one day you wake up and you're looking at this person. And you're like, where did the romance go? Where's the intimacy? Where's, where's just the communication? Because we stop pursuing each other, right? It's so important. Think about this for a minute. Is there an area of your life that you can be lazy in and see improvement? Nope. Nope. Can you, can you be lazy in your, you know, your working out, in your fitness, and get muscles like Pastor Justin? No, you cannot. See? It just does. Can, you be, can you be lazy in your business and see your business grow? Or in the area of your finances, can you be lazy and get out of debt? No. Can you be lazy in your lawn and see and have that award-winning green grass that everybody... No, you can't. If your grass isn't green and you're looking at your neighbor and his grass is greener, you need to water your lawn. You need to get on your hands and knees and pull some weeds out. You need to fire up the lawnmower mow the lawn put some fertilizer down and water that baby come on you need the grass isn't greener over there the grass is right there but that's what so many people get mixed up in well looks like what i have isn't good anymore so let me find something that's better and then they go to that better thing and wonder why they have the same problems well this doesn't look good anymore either that's right because you just you you're not investing into anything you're just expecting if i just change my my surroundings my situation will get better well that's not true we've got to change us because we're pursuing things that we don't have we've lost the pursuit of each other and things just tend to get going the wrong way so today this is going to be our vow if you're taking notes today on your phone or on the back of your worship guide there's a place to take notes i want you to get that out write this down today write it real big on the top this is our vow today i promise to always pursue my two i promise to always pursue my two let's say this all together three two one i promise to always pursue my two give your neighbor a big high five right there I promise to always pursue my two. In Genesis chapter 2, we see uh, Adam. God created Adam. He, in the first chapter, we see how God created everything that we see. And in the second chapter, God puts Adam right in the garden with all the animals. And he's there. And God says something. He sees Adam. And he's working. He's naming the animals. And he says, it's not good for man to be alone. There's no one to help him. It's not good. So scripture says that God put Adam into a deep sleep. Adam sleeping. I like to think that Adam laid down like I do and puts his head on the pillow and fell asleep. He's in this deep sleep and God comes and pulls out his rib and forms a woman. That's why men like to eat barbecue ribs, right? (laughs) And uh, so Adam wakes up and God brings the woman to him and he sees her and he says, whoa, man. And that's where we get the name woman from right there. Yes, it was a good thing. In Genesis 2, verse 24, it says this. It says, This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Probably the most popular wedding scripture that there is. But I think there's some deeper meaning here that God is trying to communicate to us because it's just showing us this this, uh, vow of the priority that when I lived with my mom and dad, man, my, my primary human relationship was them. 
I had God and then I had my parents, right? But then I'm getting married. I'm being united to my spouse and now I'm reordering my priorities and now my spouse is my two. God is my one, my spouse is my two and we are united together. This word united and the root word of the Hebrew is the word debak. And my Hebrew pronunciation may be a little off, but it's this word debak and it literally means to cling to or to adhere, to catch by pursuit or to pursue hard with affection and devotion. They were united as one flesh. They were debak. They were clinging to each other. They were attached by pursuit as one another. They were debak. What's interesting about the Hebrew language is that words were never meant to just be words with a meaning. They were actually meant to invoke like a mental image, a picture, a feeling. So this word debak is used three times throughout the Old Testament. I want you to start to get a picture of what this is, of this pursuit of each other. In Psalm 63 verse 8, it says, I follow close behind you, protected by your strong right arm. Another translation says, I cling to you. I debak to you, right? In Job 41, verse 17, it says, they're joined fast to one another. They cling together. They debuck together and they cannot be parted. What's interesting about that scripture is Job is actually describing the creature Leviathan and he's talking about his, the, the, the scales on him and how those scales, his actual protection, his armor was debuck, Right? In Judges chapter 20, we read a story of the Israelites, and they're in a battle with the Benjamites. They're fighting, and they're trying to overcome this enemy that's bigger and stronger and badder than they are. And God gives them instructions, and they follow the instructions, and they begin to achieve this victory. And it says in in verse 45, it says, Then they turned, the enemy turned and fled towards the wilderness to the rock of Ramon, and they cut down 5,000 of them on the highways. They pursued them relentlessly. They debak up to Gideon, and then they killed 2,000 of them. They won a great victory. They were debak. They were united. They were in pursuit of each other. They were together, and then they won a great victory. See, I believe God is trying to show us a picture all the way from the very beginning of how he wants our relationships, our marriages to be as we reorder those priorities, take that step into marriage that we're meant to be together. We're meant to be debak. We're meant to pursue one another. It's never meant to stop. We're meant to be in this perpetual state of pursuing hard after each other. When everything else in the world says, it'll be okay, you got what you wanted, now just go through life. God is telling us to be debak, to be united together. And then we'll have great victory. Then we'll have the kind of marriage that God has for us. But we have to come back and address this root problem of, man, we've just stopped pursuing each other. There's an amazing story in the Bible of pursuit between a man and a woman. It's a beautiful story of Jacob and Rachel. And um, you can read the whole thing in Genesis chapter 29. I'll, I'll read a few highlights here for you. It says in verse 16, Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. So we have Leah is the older one, we have Rachel is the younger one. Now Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. <laughs> you guys, I just have to tell you, there's humor in the Bible, right? <laughs> what he's saying here is Leah had a great personality. <laughs> Isn't that some like mean girls of him in the Bible? Like he, he thought mean girls was original. Like it comes from the Bible, y'all. Like He's like, Rachel was lovely and beautiful and had a nice form. Leah's got glasses. She had a great personality and glasses, right? Isn't that what it says? <laughs> it's just funny. So Jacob 
Jacob loved Rachel, the younger sister, and he came to the father and he said, I want to marry your young, beautiful daughter. Whatever it takes, I will do it. Just tell me. So the dad was like, yeah, that's cool. I want you to work for me for seven years and then you can marry my daughter. Okay. Now, I want you to see this, this picture in this next scripture. In verse 20, it says, so Jacob served the seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his great love for her. Man, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? See, if I can speak to all my single people right here, this is the kind of person you're looking for. Ladies, I'm looking at you right now. This is the kind of man that you're looking for. One that is willing to work for you with some patience. See, Rachel was the reward for Jacob at the end of this. But he worked for it before he ever got anything. He worked for it. And I cannot tell you, you are worth pursuing. You are worth waiting for. So you're looking for a guy like this who's not afraid to work with some patience. He's not trying to rush things. He's not trying to skip around boundaries that are put up. He's willing to work for you and wait for you. That's the kind of man that you're looking for. And men, this is the kind of men that we're called to be, to pursue the one that God has put in our lives. We're called to pursue her, to work for her, to have some patience for her, to wait for the things that God wants to bring our way. Our culture is so focused on rewards. And if I don't have it, then I must not. Man, God wants us to have some patience, to work for some things that we don't have that one day we will have. This is the kind of people that God is calling us to be and the kind of people we should be on the lookout for. Time, those seven years flew by for Jacob because he loved her so much. And it came time for the wedding and they have the wedding, but Jacob didn't know that the father kind of played a little switcheroo on him. So they, I know, He goes through the wedding and they go through the wedding night and they consummate everything. And Jacob wakes up in the morning and realizes that he's got the girl with the great personality. I mean, I read that and I stop and I'm like, bro, you should have realized this before things got consummated. I mean, there should have been a moment in there where it's like, wait a minute, that's another message entirely. So Jacob gets and goes and complains to the father that morning. He's like, yo, you gave me the great personality, girl, and I was supposed to get the, the fine one. You know, that's the one I was looking for. And so he says, all right, all right, I'll, I'll still give you Rachel, but I want you to work 70 more years for me. 14 years. So Jacob agrees. So a lot of people think that Jacob then worked seven years and then got Rachel, but that's not the story. The story is, is that Jacob completed the honeymoon with the great personality girl, and then he, it says that he then was given Rachel at that point. Here's the beautiful part of it. He worked the next seven years for her, even though he already had her. He worked for her, even though he already had her. It's the vow of pursuit right there. We need to continue to work for our two, even though we already have them. We need to always be working for two and never let this pursuit of each other, this going after each other, this debauch fade off or become secondary. Man, God is our one, our spouses are two, and we always pursue hard after each other. Because if we don't, man, things are just going to take a wrong turn and just, just not go the way that God has for us. I will always pursue my two. Now, it's a natural progression. We start dating, right? And the pursuit is there, right? Think about when you guys were dating. 
Right? Now you're looking at each other and like, oh, I see you. Right? You were dating and things were happening. Guys, you were taking a shower before you saw her. Right? You were smelling good. That extra deodorant on there. Extra spurts of cologne. You, you, man, you even got your iron out. You're like, I don't know what to do with this. But it's working those irons out, you know, the wrinkles out of your clothes. You got the iron going on. You were planning dates, making sure, calling ahead to that restaurant, making sure that it wasn't an hour wait because you didn't want your baby to have to wait. She, need, she needs the best. She needs to just walk right up to that table and sit down. Like, do you guys put napkins on the lap for her? Because I, that's what she, right? You know you were planning stuff, doing crazy stuff. Ladies, I know you were, you were out there getting that nice dress. You went shopping, getting the fancy dress, getting, you know, getting that extra shiny lip gloss, right? Because you want to make the lips look good. I know the tricks, right? Come on. It's all right to have some fun in church, putting extra lip gloss on. You know, you're practicing in the mirror. Yeah, I, I know working on that messy hair, don't care for three hours. It, you care, but you just don't want us to know. Like you're just making sure that things are good, right? There's, there's this mutual pursuit. But then what happens, right? Starts, we, we get married and, and now all of a sudden the pursuit is gone. And when pursuit is gone, intimacy is gone. Communication. Romance is gone. You're like, what is, man, what is the problem? What is the problem? If I can, where are my singles at? Where are all my single people at? Come on, that's only a few. I know there's more of you out there. Where are all my single people at? Come on. All right, you guys are hiding. You think I'm going to make you raise your hand again, looking around for numbers? Can I, just, can I just tell you something? If you are in a relationship right now or there's somebody that you're considering and there's not mutual pursuit, then you need to reevaluate that relationship. I'm just, I'm just trying to encourage you, help you get going down the right direction because ladies men you you need to have him pursuing you there should be pursuit after you we need to have if he's not planning dates ahead if he's not calling you up see the order there you not calling him all the time he should be calling you he should be pursuing after you he should be taking you out dropping some coin on you while you're out buying you some flowers right there should be mutual pursuit and likewise you should be pursuing him Leaving him little notes. Baking him some cookies. Come on. I'm telling you, I'm giving you some good advice this morning on how to find a godly man. Bake him some cookies. There should be mutual pursuit. Not throwing ourselves at each other. There is restraint there, but we are pursuing after each other. And if there's not pursuit now, there's not going to be pursuit later. Right? Because as a rule, we tend to pursue things we don't have. And our culture shows us, history shows us that pursuit of marriage doesn't go up after you get married. It most of the time goes down. So if there's not pursuit in whatever relationship you're in now, you need to look at that real carefully. And is this the right thing for me? Mutual pursuit of each other. Mutual pursuit. So let's talk about for a minute how we're going to live this out. Because it's good to talk about pursuit. We need to be in pursuit of each other. God is our one. Our spouses are two. I promise to always pursue. But how do I do this? Because I don't know about you guys, but life is crazy sometimes. It's busy and there's stress and then there's kids and all the stuff they got to do. And there's just life can get out of control. So how do we practically just day in, day out, live in this kind of I will always pursue my two. So it's not just something nice we said on Sunday morning, but tomorrow morning when you wake up and there's no makeup on that special lovely lady you took out last night and you're wondering what's going on. That there's... (laughs) And you look at him and you're like, boy, you weren't in the shower last night. You need to get cleaned up. Right? That there's still pursuit. 
right? Because in the midst of life, there's got to be pursuit of each other. So I want you to write some things down, take some notes. We're going to give you three practical things that we're going to do to live in pursuit of each other. Because I believe that almost no one wakes up and says, I want to have a bad marriage. Almost no one wakes up and says, well, I just don't care about my marriage. I want to lose intimacy. Almost nobody says that. But so many people end up there. So many people end up there. We're going to put some practical things in our life so that we don't end up there. Because, man, so many, we have good intentions, right? We want our marriage to be intimate. We want to be closer together. We want to have more romance, more deep heart-to-heart talks. And yet our intentions are there, but so many times our actions are lacking. So we've got to close that gap between our good intentions and our actions so that we can actually begin to walk it out, right? So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, if I, when I, whenever I think something good, say it. Whenever I think something good, say it. Why would I ever want to rob my two of the blessing of some positive thought? Why would I ever want her to not know that I'm thinking good things about her? I want her to know. Whenever I think something good, I'm going to say it. Hebrews 3.13 says, Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Man, whenever I'm studying the Word and I'm reading and Scripture pops off the page at me, I'll stop, I'll read it a couple times. But one thing I love to do is just read that Scripture in reverse. kind of gives a different perspective on it. So if we do that here, it says, to keep your heart from being hardened by sin's deceitfulness, while still called today, encourage each other every day. Man, if you don't want the deceitfulness, the trickery, the just kind of slyness of sin to be in your marriage, encourage each other every day. And that's telling us that if we don't, we're opening the door for the deceitfulness of sin to creep in. Deceitfulness, it's out there to trick us, to make us think that something that is bad or, or good it should really be in a better place deceitful. It's tricking. Don't let the deceitfulness of sin in a place in your life. Man, we're going to encourage each other. I'm going to, when I think something good, I'm going to say it. I never want my wife, Heather, to be starved of verbal affection for me. Because if she's starving for that, I guarantee you, she will find it somewhere else. She will. We, we need that. And couples, let me give you some advice in this process of thinking something good and saying it. First for the guys. Where are my guys at? Come on, guys. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. When we pursue our two in this way, our spouse, we're pursuing her with our words, right? We're going to pursue her with words of affection, okay? Pursue her with words of affection. But let me give you a a kind of a disclaimer in this, right? I want you to pursue her with non-sexual words of affection, okay? I know some of you right now are thinking... And that, what, what is that? So let me just, um, let me say it in a more simple way, okay? That would be words of affection that are non-sexual, okay? Just non-sexual words of affection. She needs it. I'm about to, I'm about to. Don't worry, ladies, your turn is coming. I know some of you are now like, that's. That's right. You, you tell him, Pastor. Like, I'm about to tell you too. It's all right. So just, just keep it right here on me, right? We'll be all be getting done. None of it. Just, just right here. Just right here. Your jam's right here. Right? So, guys, one powerful, practical tool in this, right? 
We're, we're going to speak words of affection to our two, right? When you tell her I love you, add because and change the ending every time. I love you because you're the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you because even though we're having troubles right now, you're right by my side. I love you because all these years you've been faithful. I love you because you're my best friend. I love you because you look so beautiful today. I love you because of the amazing woman of God that you are. Tell her I love you, add because, and change the ending every time. Build her up. Speak to her with words of affection. She needs it. And you'll see her, when you do that, you'll see her respond to you in ways that you could never imagine. She needs that from us. Ladies, come on. All the guys, just guys, just don't move. Just keep them right up here. Ladies, <laughs> this is fun, y'all. Ladies, we're going to pursue him with words of affirmation. Pursue him with words. Guys, yes! Pursue him with words of affirmation because the truth is he's becoming who you see him as. He's becoming who you see him as. Man, if he thinks that you're thinking about him, that he did a good job, you're going to see something come up, rise up on be like, that's right, I, I did something good. I know for me, we, you know, on Sundays we get home and we packed everything away and torn it down. In case you didn't know, you're in an elementary school and none of this stuff stays here. <laughs> it all gets packed up. So by the time we're all done, man, we, Heather and I get home and I'm just tired and I'm just like, right, on the couch. And she's like, you did such a great job today. Man, you, and I tell you what, when she starts saying that, I'm like, I did something good today. Some, something inside of me starts rising up. She thinks I, I contributed today. She thinks I'm awesome. I don't care what y'all think. She thinks I did awesome. Right? You know it's true. Come on. Ladies, we got to build him up with words of affirmation. Because when, when you start with that, well, I wish you were more like this, or you should have done that, or if you could only be more... Man, there's nothing in him at that point that wants to, to stay and lead. Everything in him at that moment wants to just pack up all the stuff and go home. Because he knows that you don't respect him. That you're not looking to him that way, and especially spiritually. Especially spiritually. Right? Because, I, man, I hear all the time... Especially, especially wives say, man, he, that man just does not spiritually lead in our home. But can I tell you something? When you say that to him, there's nothing in him that wants to lead spiritually. Nothing in him. See, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to be a good pastor to you guys because I don't have to live with either of you. So it doesn't help, it doesn't help me to tell you this. I'm telling you this for your own benefit. Right? I don't have to live with your husband or your wife. You have to. So you, it's your choice. You can say whatever you want. You can speak whatever you want to him. You can build up, you know, your home however you want it to be. But then you're going to just deal with the results of what you choose to speak. See, there's power of life and death in our tongues. Scripture says we will eat the fruit of it. So instead of wasting our words, tearing each other down or, you know, whatever, we need to build each other up with words. Our words have power. So ladies, speak life into your husband. We're not led by what we see anyways. We are people of faith. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Faith is the things that we don't see that we hope for. This is faith. So, man, if, he's, if you feel like he's not leading spiritually in your home, you're ne- your marriage will never get better by criticizing it. You sometimes you just need to speak life into him. So if he does anything remotely spiritual, 
tell him he did a good job. Like if he says, well, I guess we ought to go to church. Man, when you get in the car, just tell him, lean over and say, man, I felt so close to you when you said we ought to go to church. If he prays at dinner and you're like, good food, good God, bless us. And whatever he says, even if it's the worst prayer in the history of mankind, lean over to him afterwards and be like, I like it when you pray and, and then breathe, breathe heavy while you say it or something, you know, like, <laughs> come on, y'all. Just tell him he did a good job. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> Ephesians four twenty nine says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for myself so that I feel right about what I said, and then I'll feel good after I said it. No one's going to check me on that? <laughs> Y'all, come on now. That's not what it says, just for the record. It says this, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, not my needs, not when I think I'm right and I need, I'm going to win this thing. No, I'm building, her, I'm building her up according to her needs that it may benefit those who listen. See, we can do whatever we want. We can go any direction we want, but don't we want our marriage to go a different direction? So we're going to have to do some different things. Right? Whenever I think something good, I'm going to say it, right? I'm going to say it. Number two, if you're taking notes, anytime I think something special, do it. Anytime you think something special, do it. Anytime, every time, it's always the right time to do something special for your two. James 4, 17 says, if, the, if anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. <laughs> Man, even if we loosely apply this principle to Scripture, it's so convicting, isn't it? And if I know something good to do and I don't do it, it's telling me it's sin for me, right? Anytime I think something good, I'm special, I'm going to do it. Right, man, come home from work early with some takeout, some Chinese food, and just go. Let's say, let's go to the park and try to eat food with two sticks, you know, chopsticks, and just have a good time. Like, have a good time together. Do something together. You think something nice? Do it, guys. Send her flowers. You're gonna see a different lady when she comes home that day. And if you want to multiply those flower points, send her flowers when there's other women around. Come on, the points are like exponential at that point. I know some of you might be thinking, well, pastor, sending flowers are expensive. I'm on that debt snowball right now, and I can't be doing that. Listen, you got $15. You can go to Publix, buy a bouquet of flowers. Yes, I checked the price. It's $15. You can buy 12 dozen roses, 15 bucks. Go deliver it yourself. The points are the same. It works the same. Think something special. Do it. It doesn't have to be expensive. Just be creative. Man, ladies, get your husband's car and fill it up with gas. He's going to get in there in the morning and be like, Jesus, there's gas. My wife is super good at this. She's always leaving me little notes under my pillow or she'll put like little notes in my shirt pocket. I love you. You know, she thinks I'm the best looking man there is. I love it. When you think something special, do it, do it. Number three, when you want something different, be it. When you want something different. Be it now before all these thoughts start racing your head, and you're like, mm, if, if Pastor Chris said you're supposed to be like this, you should be a better husband than you are. Listen, don't go there because the moment you try to take this message and apply it to the spouse, you miss the whole point, yeah. right? If you want something better, you be it. Let God make you who you're supposed to be because we can't change anybody, 
I can't change anybody. I can't change Heather. She can't change. I can only take care of right here. So you become the change you want to see. You want something better? Be it. You want something better? Be it. I asked my wife a couple questions on this vow of pursuit. So let's check out the screens and see what she had to say about the vow of pursuit. So this question reminds me of dating more than marriage, as I'm sure a lot of you feel the same. Um, When you're dating, you are really pursuing that other person. You're going after what you don't have. But I think it's important in marriage to do the same, to go after the marriage that you don't have, that greater marriage, the greater love, the greater intimacy. And so for us, we do it in a couple of different ways. I am a huge note writer. I love to leave notes for Chris, especially on trips, so that he's going through his bag, he finds one, whether he's brushing his teeth or finds it in his pocket. Um, But it's just something fun that reminds him of how much I love him, just encouraging notes to remind him of how much I value him, and that adds value naturally. And I think for him, when he says something to me, when my makeup's all crazy and I'm sweaty and red-faced and he says something like, you look beautiful, and I'm like, what? No, I don't. But it adds value even if I don't feel it in the moment. You know, and I think um, even eating meals together, that's a huge thing in our family. We've made it a priority that we're going to eat our meals together. We're going to eat dinner together every night. And sometimes when it's really busy and we're just standing around a counter, it just reminds us even more so that we value each other enough to stop what we're doing and to do things differently, to continue to bring that intimacy into our relationship. It's spending time together. Listening is a huge thing. I don't know about most women, but I am a better talker than a listener sometimes. So stopping to really listen to what he's saying, what's weighing on his heart, and then encouraging him and what those things are. I think those are the ways that I try to add value. Um, one thing that we learned before we got married is that we should always outserve one another. Um, I think it's easy for us to focus on ourselves because our flesh naturally does that. We're kind of selfish if we allow ourselves to be. So in our day-to-day, even in the moments of like, who's going to close the laundry door? Who's going to do the laundry? Who's going to pick up the trash? You know, in those little things, and then in the huge things. You know, how can I outserve you today? Can I bring you something? Can I show you that I love you in a new way? Um, I think that's one way that you can add value, and I think that you always invest in what you love the most. So, investing time, investing financially, just investing even in your actions is a great way to add value. Amen. <clears throat> God, it's good. I'm, I'm blessed to have her. I married way up when I got her. I'm thankful for her. But God is always our one. Our spouse is always our two. And I will always pursue my two. So we've got to come to this point where we live in this life of pursuit of each other. And I would tell you that if you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. It's a good place right there. I'll let you open up Instagram. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. Because, man, to be in pursuit of each other, I can't be selfish. We've got to be united. We've got to be debak. We've got to be together, fastened together in pursuit of each other. Right? Mutual pursuit. And I would say to single people that are listening to this right now, to get what you've never had, you're going to have to do what you've never done. 
that just means that maybe you've been through painful relationships before. Maybe you've been looking and you're just wondering, I can't seem to find the right guy. Why do I always find the wrong guy? Or whatever situation that brought you to where you are, to get something you've never had, to get a godly relationship, you're going to have to do some things that you've never done. You're going to have to look in some different places for some different people. You're going to have to do some things you've done, you haven't done to get something you've never had. To all the married people, I would say this. To get what you once had, you're going to have to do what you once did. The fire's gone out, or maybe it's not out, maybe it's just dwindling, but you've just noticed, man, we've just, the pursuit of each other, we've dropped off. It's, it's fallen and things are slipping in, trying to take the place, the, the rightful place of my two. Man, to get what you once had, you're going to have to do what you once did. You can do it. I know you can. You did it before. The evidence is sitting right next to you, right? Because you, you dated before. You know how to put that smile on her face. You just got to do it again. You need to get some things together. You need to schedule some date nights. You need to just start in pursuit of each other. You need to just start telling her those good things that you think about her. I already got those things in my head. Just get them out your mouth. Start saying them to her. Get back in pursuit of each other. Make your spouse your two. Because what will happen as you do that, hearts will begin to soften. You're like, no, pastor, it's too far gone. We're just too far. It's, it's too far down the road. We're just going to get divorced. We're just going to be separated. She's just so cold to me. I, I, I just can't take it. Nope. We're going to get in pursuit of each other. We've just fallen out of pursuit. People are like, oh, we just don't love each other. No, we've, we've just stopped pursuing each other. You were in love before. You can get there again. We just get back in pursuit of each other, right? Just start, and those, your heart will begin to soften over time as you begin to pursue each other. And then all of a sudden, there'll be conversations that happen. Intimacy starts to come back. The romance starts to come back. And then the snuggling, snuggly, snuggly, snuggly starts to come back, right? Right? It's going to take time. It's going to take work. It's not easy, but you can do it. You did it once before. You can do it again. You can do it again. A little bit goes a long way. A little bit goes a long way. God is your one. Your spouse is your two. And we will always pursue our two. Revelations chapter 2, verse 5, it says this. Jesus is speaking to the churches, the seven churches. And he says this. He says, consider how far you have fallen. Maybe that's you this morning. You're like, man, we, we used to be so in love. And now we're just, we've fallen so far. Maybe that's how you feel. This is the word of the Lord. For you. He says, repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And sometimes we just got to do what we once did, get back to our pursuit of each other. We did it when we were dating. It was so natural. We just got to get back to that because if we don't, Jesus says we're going to lose it anyways. We just need to get back to this place of pursuit, prioritizing God as our one, our spouses are two, and living in pursuit of each other. And we can begin to have the kind of marriage that God wants us to have. Can we just all across this room, just right now, just bow our heads and close our eyes? Just right where you are. Just want to take a minute. And maybe if you're here with that special someone this morning, maybe even just grab their hand in this moment. Just as a sign of, we are going to be debak. We're going to be united. We're going to pursue each other. And maybe you feel like that this morning, that, man, things are just cold right now. Maybe you, you're that one that you just, you feel like your marriage, your relationship has fallen too far. But I'm here to tell you that God is here to breathe life into your relationship. 
He doesn't want you to go down this path that you're on that leads to separation and divorce and heartbreak. God wants you to be united together. He wants you to be moving together, setting up a godly marriage to show your children what a godly marriage is like, to show your friends and your family what a godly marriage is like. Maybe you're here and you're like, every marriage in my family has ended in divorce and I just don't know what to do. Maybe whatever the marriage situation is that's so impossible that you're facing right now, I believe that the God of creation, the one who joined you together is here in this room to reunite, to reignite things in you again. And all it takes is us making that simple choice to say, I'll always pursue my two. So if that's you, you're in this place this morning, you're saying, that's me. We need that mutual pursuit of each other in our relationships. And I'm asking for God's help in my marriage and my relationship this morning. If that's you just all across this room this morning, would you lift your hands right where you are? I want to pray with you. Yes, yes, yes. Hands all over. All right. Yes, yes. Right here, right here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. You can put those hands down. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here. Lord God, for those that aren't married yet, that one day will be married, Lord God. And those that are married today, Lord, we're deciding right now in this very moment that we will always pursue our two, Lord God, that you will be our one, our top priority, and our spouse will always be our two, and we will pursue them, Lord God. So I thank you for just bringing that that spirit of repentance where we've fallen off, where we haven't been pursuing. God, we repent. We ask for your forgiveness, Lord God. And we decide in this moment that we will pursue our two. So God, I pray for courage in every heart. I pray just for softening every heart where it's been cold, that there will be heat coming back, Lord God, that you're softening hearts even right now by your Holy Spirit, Lord God, where there's been separation, that there will be unity, Lord God. And Lord, I thank you for courage inside of every person to speak those good things that we think. Every time we think something good, we'll say it. Every time we think something special, Lord God, give us the courage, the ideas to do it, Lord God. Help us to change, to be the change we want to see, Lord God. I pray for courage inside of every person that we will speak those words of affection. We will build each other up with our words, Lord God, that we will not be starved for affection, that we won't speak down and criticize, but we will build each other up, Lord God. We will build our marriage upon your word and on your principles. So I speak life into every relationship that where there's been deadness, that there will be life in Jesus' name. Even right now, I sense that there is life coming into relationships that even that kind of picture that where there's been coldness, that the heat is coming back in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And maybe you're here in this moment and you're saying, Pastor, that sounds great, but maybe you've never even made that decision to make God your one. You've never even invited God to be part of your life. And this morning you're just saying, I need God in my life. Because without God, man, we are nothing. We can try to do good things. We can try to be a good person. and But... Without God, we can do nothing. So I just want to invite you in this moment. Just invite God into your life to say, God, you can be my one. I will make you the Lord of my life. I will make you my one and every, my, everything else will come after that. And if that's you this morning, maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've made that decision in the past, but you're just far from God this morning. You feel like he's a million miles away. God is one step away this morning. So if you're here and you've never made that decision, but this morning you're saying, I want to make that decision. I want God to be my one. Just right where you are. I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you. Just right where you are between you and God. Would you just lift your hand? I just want to pray with those this morning. All right, right here, right here. Thank you. Right there. Thank you. All right. All right. You can put those hands down. Church, let's all pray together as one body out loud with all those that are raising their hands. Say, dear Jesus,